Hey, welcome back to the Rooted to Live podcast. This is episode number three in the Path to Happiness series. Considering together what Jesus says about happiness and asking, are we on the path to true happiness? We've been considering Jesus' teaching found in Matthew chapter 5, where we read, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Each statement of blessing or happiness builds on top of itself. The word we see here in the original language is uh, makarios, or happiness, blessed. Jesus is actually describing a way of life, a lifestyle that results in genuine, out-of-this-world happiness. He wants this for his followers to the glory of God the Father. When we live this way, it will draw others' attention to God. In this episode, we are focusing on verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness comes after poverty of spirit and mourning over our sin. This would have been a total surprise statement by Jesus in that day and time, because in the most common belief about meekness, it's the meek people who get run over or taken advantage of. But is it possible that people are confused about what meekness really is? It's not really a word we use in the world today. In church culture, it is occasionally used, often mixed with the ideas of frailty or weakness. When you think of meekness, what comes to your mind? Quietness? Maybe insecure or mousy? uh, Maybe indecisive? But is it a characteristic that inherits the earth? What is Jesus speaking of? The root of the Greek word for meek means mild, gentle, and soft. It would be used to describe a soothing medicine or a gentle breeze. Is this the kind of person Jesus is describing who inherits the earth? The word Jesus used would be used to describe a a horse that had been broken and domesticated and can be used for good purposes. Maybe that picture gives more clarity. Uh, Some scholars offer definitions which would include ideas of meekness like um, spiritual poise and strength or gentleness of strength, and power under restraint. Jesus is actually quoting a passage that the people of Israel would know well. Psalm chapter 37, verse 11, is where we find the message that Christ is speaking of here. Psalm chapter 37, verse 11. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. That's found in 37 verse 11 of the book of Psalm, but it's actually verses 1 through 10 in that Psalm 
which actually show us what meek people do. Let me read that for you. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the, like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. So what do we learn about meek people in Psalm 37? And what must Christ have in mind as he's speaking what is recorded found in Matthew chapter 5? Well, in Psalm 37, we see that, first of all, meek people trust in God. They have a deep confidence in God. They have a confidence in his work and his will, and they believe that his will and work are good. So meek people trust in God. Secondly, we see in Psalm 37 that meek people commit their lives to God. The Hebrew word for commit is found in Psalm 37, means to to roll. (laughs) Since meek, meek people trust God, they can roll all of life onto God is the idea. So first of all, meek people trust in God. Secondly, they commit their lives to God. Third, meek people wait for God. It's free from having to be controlling or striving for self. Meek people wait for God. And that's tough, isn't it? Because we usually don't like to wait. Some people would use that the concept of patience here. Willingly waiting when you don't want to. Meek people wait for God. Also found in Psalm 37, we see that meek people don't compare themselves to others. And see, when we do that, when we compare ourselves to others, we usually lose because we'll compare ourselves to others and then the jealousy sets in, envy, um, bitterness. So meek people, they don't do that. But I think the best part of Psalm 37 is all God's work in it. It reads like, um, if you read the, the Psalm for yourself, you'll see what our part is to be, what the faithful person's part to be, and then we see what God's part is. See, meekness humbly sees our role and trusts in the Lord for his role. God enjoys working in ways that no one is confused about who's going or who's doing the actual work. No one is confused that the credit, glory, and worship go to God. The Greek lexicon offers a different perspective of meekness. It relays the idea of um, not being overly impressed by a sense of one's own self-importance. That's a tough one. Meekness is being free from having to be consumed with self, sometimes translated as humble in the Bible, in contrast to pride associated with worldly success. It also refers to not retaliating aggressively when you've been wronged. So it's the opposite of violence. It's the opposite of of vengeance. So bottom line, the meek person has died to self. Can you think of any examples of such meekness? Of course, in Jesus, we see meekness. 
Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, we see Jesus invites people who are weary, burdened, and troubled from a life of striving for approval in a religious system to get to God, to come to Him and to find rest. Come to Him to learn, because He is gentle and humble in heart. That word translated gentle is the same word translated meek in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. But Jesus isn't weak. Meekness is not weakness, as some have come to say. In Mark chapter 3, verse 5, we see him in meekness, righteously angry and grieved with hard hearts. See, meekness is not the absence of passion, conviction, or indignation for the glory of God. Jesus had passion and rightful anger, not in defense of self, but for truth in his Father's will. Another description of Christ's meekness is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. It gave Jesus deep-rooted joy to do the work of his Father, sent the work that his Father sent him to do, to give his life and loving pursuit of others. That's why the scriptures say in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That was joy for Jesus. It was meekness that the character of meekness that allowed him to do such things and for the joy set before him, the the deep-rooted contentment or happiness or blessedness, that's what propelled him through his mission. How would your life be different if it was characterized by such meekness? We can think of Jesus and say, well, yeah, that was Jesus. Well, actually, the first time we see the word meekness used in the Bible, it's used of Moses. In Numbers chapter 12, see, meekness is being free from needing to be defensive when facing critical people. Meekness is a power to take in adversity and criticism without doing the same in response or back. But meekness is not weakness again. In Exodus chapter 32, verses 19 and 20, we see that Moses is angry at the sight of his people worshiping an idol, so much so that he throws down the tablets containing the Ten Commandments, and he took the idol his people made to worship instead of God, and he burned it in a fire, and then he ground it into a pyre, a powder, sorry, and mixed it into water and made the children of Israel drink it. How is that the meekest man on the earth? Well, the answer is, it was meekness because his passion wasn't for himself, but for his people. He desired that they would walk in truth and walk along and abide in the plan of God and and to the glory of God. Well, just like we could say, well, that's Jesus or that's Moses. We see that meekness is to be found in the church amongst God's people in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. See, meekness reaches to bring back a person who is overtaken in sin and at the same time recognizing one's own fallibility. That's meekness, to care enough about someone, to have passion for someone and gently seek to restore them. There's a couple cautions to give here to to not be fooled. So I just want to encourage you or build you up. Don't be fooled when two people are having a conversation and it becomes heated and passionate Don't judge it as lacking meekness. If there is reasonableness and an appealing to the truth that is over them, there can be meekness. See, anti-meekness is evident in unreasonableness or name-calling or a critical spirit, tearing down of the other person. Blackmail, of course, would be anti-meekness. Trying to humiliate the other person or threatening to abandon the relationship. That's the opposite of meekness. 
Anti-meekness uses words like always and never to bully for a point. Or tells of phantom groups of support saying, I know lots of people who agree with me, so as to try to strong arm another person into submission. Anti-meekness only sees self-interest, self-promotion, and winning the argument for self-satisfaction. There's also another part to this. Anti-meekness is also an unwillingness to engage when called upon or needed. It's evident when projecting a false version of being self-effacing or an unwillingness to be vulnerable to truth. It's an unwillingness to be close to a situation where you might be revealed as wrong so you don't participate. It's avoiding any self-evaluation against the standard of truth. That's called self-protection, not meekness. With that in mind, then we know that thriving teams, churches, and relationships do not shy away from passionate debate around ideas because they are for one another and are trying to see something greater together come to fruition. Is there anyone you need to go to and make something right because you lacked meekness? Were you abusive, passive-aggressive, or non-engaging? Jesus says, The meek person is truly happy or blessed. In his teachings on the topic up to this point then, when a person recognizes their inadequacy before God, meaning being poor in spirit, and mourns their unrighteousness before God, the meekness of God starts to grow. There's now a way to not have to be defensive in life. There's now a way to not be self-absorbed, a way to be honest about shortcomings and weaknesses, And this is why God said to a man who recognized all this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Meekness meekness makes a way for God's power to be put on display in your life, therefore drawing others' attention to God. We see such a notion, and I think it's 1 Peter, when we are to be ready to give an answer for the hope we have, but to do it with all gentleness. So where does the happiness and meekness come from? Well, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, there's the statement of truth and then the promise of the, for the meek person. That's that they will inherit the earth. The word inherit means to receive an allotted portion. The sense of gaining possession of something because of a connection. Inherit what, we could ask? The text tells us the earth. The inheritance here is, is the place of God's kingdom. We're placed in God's kingdom. In Psalm 37, what Jesus is quoting here in Matthew chapter 5, earth referred to the promised land. In Jesus' sermon context, though, Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God, which includes the new heaven and earth. So meek people will reign on the whole earth with the Lord Jesus Christ in the great coming kingdom. And this is a great contrast to what most people would think the meek would ever receive. Many influential philosophers and revolutionaries despise this teaching of Jesus because of the belief of that denying of self or dying to self, getting over yourself and the release of power and giving way to Jesus. They perceive that as weakness or a way of being enslaved to Jesus. What about you? Will you take Jesus at his word? Or are you siding with the world philosophers, the short-lived political revolutionaries, and self-indulgent cultural pressure? How truly happy were they, those people? Jesus says, truly happy are the meek.